0: Good day, everyone. It's Peter Westerby here with Pete's podcast in community development. And I'm again at Ginobara country, Malaney. Again, it's raining because we seem to be in this endless um, long tropical summer that's become a tropical winter. I do a daily practice of removing mold for about five or 10 minutes before I get into my work. So all my listeners, um, I hope you are aware of um, how, how that, that stresses the mind. But I'm here with deep pleasure with Professor Emeritus, Professor Sue Kenny again, two days before, or one day before she flies to Europe. And um, we're having our final conversation on community development and its response to right-wing populism. So, Sue, I just want to say hello. Thank you for making time before you fly away. How are you?
1: Hello, Peter. Um, Coming in from Wurundjeri country, um, I'm good, sort of good. (laughs) Good. But I think we're all probably, we're feeling much better than we might've felt given the election in Australia over the weekend, uh, where we, have actually returned a, a, a Labor government uh, and um, an, a nice lot of uh, independence, what they call teals and also uh, greens. Uh, at the moment, I'm hanging on for my local area, hoping that my friend who's a green has got in, but it looks as if Labor might, might actually scrape in. But anyway, the good thing is that um, the uh, climate change is really clearly on the agenda and that's really important.
0: Yes, you're right. So when we talked last week, we both were probably fearful that Scott Morrison who has used the playbook of populism um, to win a previous election has actually failed in this case. And it's very exciting. We might might come back to that. So just, just to remind our listeners without doing a full recap, in our first conversation, you really did outline right-wing populism as a, a kind of political culture, um, a set of skills, a way of thinking, a playbook. And you gave us those wonderful, like those six themes. So I'm not gonna repeat them. Then in the second conversation, we really did sort of probe, I think around two or three things. One, um, you know, the, the big, we started to think about civil society as a response as a strengthening of civil society as opposed to investing in dialogue with the populists so i think we both fall down on the side of there's no point in dialoguing with at least the leadership of populists um, even if um, the average citizen but we can strengthen civil society then you told us some of the story of russia and putin's rise the playbook of populism that's really emptied um, Russian society or emptying of civil society actors and I really, really enjoyed that. And then we actually did start to explore the political economy issues and privatization and that the, these, these populist leaders are not the everyday person, you know, by far, they they're, they're very different to the everyday and they're often amassing great profits. So here we are, the third one. And really, I do want to come back to your thesis, which I agree with, that community development workers need to focus on civil society, the strengthening of it, because this is really a home for community development. And I, I guess I'd like you to just say a bit more about what that means and, and then what, what are some strategies? Does this, that sound okay? Yeah, yep, that's fine.
1: Uh, Perhaps I could start with uh, a discussion with um, that was sponsored by the International Association of Community Development Oceana last year, and they had someone on who had been involved in getting an independent up in a rural area in Victoria in Australia, and uh, this was against the uh, expectation that the conservatives will get back in Uh, this the the success of this. Uh, showed the way in which working at the community level building up civil society can work uh, if you have the right strategies basically and we can see in the last election election last Saturday that there are many uh, independents and that they actually had developed very clear strategies this rural seat a seat called Indy in Victoria um, has since Uh, been passed on to another independent, and another independent one again on Saturday. So what's involved in this? How is community development involved? And what does this tell us about uh, dealing with with populism? Uh, uh, The conservatives in Australia have been pushing uh, a very populist idea that uh, you can't uh, trust the people uh, who are independent or coming from the community, so there was an incredible strategy before the election from and Labor as well as the conservatives uh, to try and. Um, dismantle or um, undermine that the whole independence um, mo- or it's not a movement independent people who were actually working independently. Uh, and, in particular, the conservatives again used all those strategies from populism wedge politics. Uh, amplifying uh, anxiety, uh, particularly anxiety in relation to in Australia, the fear of China and the rise of China. Uh, And for a while, it looked as if they they were doing quite well. Incidentally, they also uh, seized on a a boat that was full of asylum seekers from Sri Lanka, and they sent text messages out saying what a threat they were um, on the very on the very day of the election. So a lot of very dirty Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And that boat had been intercepted three days earlier, and the policy is never to tell the public when there was an interception. And yet they did it on election day. I mean, it was a classic um, amplification of of anxiety. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And notwithstanding all of those strategies by the conservatives, the independents just plugged away and they they drew on their social capital. They drew their networks, of course, which are their social capital. And um, they had a, a, a one strategy, which is called kitchen table talk, where it was really important that you sit down. You don't have big glossy posters or big meeting halls. You sit down and you you use those networks at the very very local level. Again, community development in practice. Yeah. Uh, what we what we saw here was that uh, people. Were involved in organizations, uh, they're encouraged to be involved in organizations. And perhaps most importantly, from the point of view of civil society, is the embracing of disagreement, that people were free to disagree, not only free, they're encouraged to have debates uh, about uh, how they saw things, about what needed to be done. And this, this in this community development principle, again, this this allowed for, allowed is probably the wrong word again. Uh, this in, this meant an encouragement of um, diversity, different ideas, social inclusion, and all of these principles were embraced with the whole, um, pe- with, with all the people who were uh, independents, who were working for their local community, but also accepting that there, were, there would be disagreement in their yeah. Um, it reminds just, me,
0: reminds me of our colleague Professor Jim Ives. Uh, you know, always yeah. advocating community is not about unity; it is about a community of diversity, and um, yeah. this is what makes community as opposed to collective groupthink. Um, so yeah. I, I think this is that alignment. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, go
1: on. I was just going to say there's a there's a message going from someone called uh, Jurgen Habermas. Uh, that we seem to have forgotten going back long decades now. And um, he talks about the different forms of communication. And I'll oversimplify this, but one form of communication is communication to persuade people that you're right and they're wrong. Okay, this is, and you know all about this, Peter, with all your um, discussions about dialogue and the importance of dialogue. Habermas pointed out there was another way of communicating. Uh, and this way of communicating didn't involve persuading people that they were wrong and you were right, but involved listening to people and listen, just listening, listening to their different ideas, uh, just just learning from what people are saying, not having discussions in order to win points, but yeah. just to learn. And I think a lot of people have, have forgotten that. And the kitchen table discussions, again, uh reinforcing and part of civil society involved listening to people just listening to what they yeah. have to say not convincing them not arguing with them but learning and i think um hopefully we're going to rediscover that important notion of communication for learning not communication to win i don't you might want to say something about that peter <laughs> um, well with all well, your experience
0: well, you know, as you say I, I mean I'm a lover of the idea of dialogue, and you know the preposition of dialogue is to be curious and open to what other people say and and it's to be not only positioning yourself to learning but importantly to be unlearning what you you, you know you've you've taken on and I think you know this um why this kitchen table deep listening is so important Sue is, you know, we, you and I, the evidence is clear. We cannot persuade people through information, rational argument, you know, the presentation of facts. People remain loyal to their beliefs and ideology based on emotional and social attachments. So, you know, like to attack people's ideology and belief is is simply going to create resistance. Um, Anyway, so I I think we need to do a lot more work around this um, harbour notion of, you know, uh, communication as as listening, yeah. So good to remind us, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, it certainly is. Um, And uh, I saw a presentation a couple of weeks ago (laughs) Trying to convince me of something, and it was PowerPoints and strange facts, uh, decontextualized facts being put up on PowerPoints. Uh, and I think people have, and this is a technocratic way, of course. And I think people have forgotten. And 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 you're, what you're doing, I think, is really important in terms of that that diet what what actually is involved in dialogue. And it's certainly not putting up PowerPoints and. Bomb- bombarding people with so-called facts. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we've got a long way to go, but I think in Australia we're we're certainly better off than we could have been, <laughs> and um, hopefully we've cut the whole uh, populist movement off, you know, on their tracks. But then, of course, uh, I have been looking at the right-wing media responses, and they've been going ballistic. Yes. About the Labor government, win- Labor Party winning in the sense that you know, it's all bloom and doom, and uh, Australia is now on a path to absolute disaster. Uh, so I don't know what the following thing is, uh, in terms of, of these uh, tirades that people are involved in, in terms of how, how dangerous it is, but certainly um, the populist movement uh, seems to have, well, taken a bit of a shock, I think, in Australia, so- as, as opposed to elsewhere.
0: Can you just, you know, this relationship between civil society and civility, like to be civil. Because, you know, one of the things that shocks me about pop right-wing populists is their ability to, you know, they're quite happy to be non-civil. Um, they're quite happy to abuse those they disagree with um, and, and, you know, demonize those that you know, we're, you know the, the Labor Party and the Greens are going to destroy the country. They're socialists, you know, da-da-da. And I just, I get despondent at the lack of civility, um, which I guess is what you're saying. The community development needs to support civil society, a place of civil dialogue, civil disagreement, civil conversation, respectful... Yeah. Um, consideration of those we disagree with um, so
1: yeah yeah hope, yeah uh, one of one of the themes that has been picked up in the literature on populism is um, another is a theme which is uh, bad manners I think they called it <laughs> but uh, that's and such... it's a, it's bad bad manners is lack of civility of course uh, and I that's, rem- that's my friend part of it
0: my friend Dave Palmer always says to me it's all about having good manners, Peter, you know? And, and <laughs> yeah, you know, well, arriving, he often, because he, he lives and works in Perth on Noongar country, you know, he's like when yeah, you arrive on, in Perth, when you arrive on Noongar country, good manners is to acknowledge country, you know, seek out, you know, the safety of country through respectful relationship with indigenous people. So, you know, this idea of good manners doesn't just extend to people, but to country in terms of an Aboriginal mm. worldview. So, you know, this is mm. one of the things I'm loving that we're learning the protocol of good manners in engaging with Aboriginal communities. Um,
1: and we, uh, we have so much to learn, <laughs> so much to learn there. Yeah, uh, we, we do. But I think. I think some Australians are getting it, though. Uh, I think that there is that there's some movement there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we'll see what happens with this government, but there is some movement. And when you contrast this with the 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 populists uh, internationally, Erdogan and 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 Trump, uh, Orbán in in Hungary, uh, the all these characteristics come out so clearly: uh, lack of civility, bad manners. Uh, the uh, demonising of the enemy. yeah, I, Identifying an enemy and then demonising that enemy.
0: Well, and I, I wonder this idea of, you know, I think my favourite philosopher Jacques Derrida says, you know, that the journey of community through history, progressive history is to keep opening community. You know, first it was for white men, then community was inclusive of white women and then it became inclusive of black and white and then it became inclusive of gay people and and now it's becoming inclusive of transgender etc and animals and in you know and and you know a lot of the right-wing populists in this election even tried to demonize you know people from other uh, minority groups so you know the the progressive approach of expanding civil society to be inclusive of more and more of those who are excluded. And I have to learn the manners to engage with each of those communities because I need to learn their language I need to listen and understand their worlds. Whereas I I feel like populists don't want to do that. You know, they're they're holding some imaginary past that was considered, um, you know, the the when America was great, when Australia was great, um, as opposed to this um, new emerging future. So I, I just, with with yeah. two minutes to go, do you want to respond to that, or add, or yeah, sum I up? Think, you
1: know, no, that's a really really important point to bring home to to end with uh, the importance of of growing the, the community, if you like, yes. uh, and it, you know, we, we both said there's so much to learn. And this community, the habitat of that community is civil society. And um, civil society is, is based on civility. And how we do that is something that we've still got, got to learn a lot about. But you're right. I mean, this is the, the, the extending circles of inclusion uh, historically. And I think community development's got quite a lot to learn in all of those ways too.
0: Yes. So maybe that's how we finish. That You know, part of this work is to expand civil society and become more literate in the manners that are required to engage with different expanding communities. And uh, I'm trying to become literate (laughs) in listening to trees at the moment. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we, we need to become literate in listening to... For all sorts of phenomena. So, Sue, I want to thank you um, as you fly off to France. And thank goodness it's not Le Pen's country, it's the the nation. Thank goodness. Yes. Talking um,
1: about populace. (laughs) I haven't had a chance to actually expand on Le Pen, but (laughs) I think she's still lurking away there, particularly in the rural areas.
0: (laughs) Yes, and they certainly will be interesting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, have a fantastic journey. Travel safe. And thank you. And I just want to remind the listener, this podcast is done for free. Everyone's involved voluntarily. There's no sponsors, no funding. And it's just something we all love doing. So deep gratitude. Thank you, Sue.
1: No, thank you, Peter. It's been really interesting discussion.